Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look, all my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Hello, welcome to another edition of Club Shay Shay. I am your host, Shannon Sharp. I'm also the proprietor of Club Shay Shay. And for the very first time, we have a lady stopping by for conversation and a drink. But she's not alone. She brought her son. Today on the show, we have Pamela and JaVale McGee. How you doing, guys? Good, 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 good. Pamela, how was that introduction? It was good. You said Pamela and JaVale. They, nowadays, it's JaVale and... It's uh, JaVale and JaVale's mama. Yeah. <laughs> well, how about, let me, let, hey. me go, let me go back. Let me go give, give you a proper introduction. I'm here with Trojan legend. She's a two-time, she's a back-to-back NCAA champ. She's a basketball Hall of Famer. She was a part of the team that got it started for the women, winning the gold medal in the Olympics in basketball. They are the first mother and son duo to play professional basketball. She also had a daughter that played the WNBA. So she had a son and a daughter to play professional play professionally. They're the first American mother and son duo to win an Olympic gold medal. Is that better? Much better. Did I, did I leave anything out? Is there anything I should add? Anything I should add? Uh, oh, you forgot Hall of Famer. Yeah, I got Hall of Famer. I put that in there. That was second. I probably should have put that uh, in there first, huh? <laughs> and I, I, can't, I can't forget your son. I can't forget Pamela McGee's son, <laughs> JaVale McGee, three-time NBA champ, Grammy-nominated producer, and a part of the 2020 Olympic, I guess you'd call them a dream team. Everybody we send out to the Olympics is a dream team. Gold medalist, JaVale McGee. JaVale, how you doing, bro? I'm doing good, man. Doing real good. Pamela, when you see your son and what he's been able to accomplish, how proud of you are you? How proud of him are you? Um, JaVale, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm more proud of his Olympic gold medal than my own. Okay. He just, I just really just admire him from afar his resiliency, and I just love that he just keeps going and uh, the resiliency that he exemplifies. I swear I, I admire that him as a man. Obviously, when you were growing up, you were a tall, a tall, a tall uh, lady. JaVale, obviously, he was, we're going to get into his stats when he was born, but as he's growing up, did you think he was going to, did you know he was going to be a professional basketball player, or you was like, now, he only got two choices. He's going to be a volleyball player or a basketball player. His mom plays, so I think there's a very good chance he's going to be an NBA player. Well, to be honest with you, he'll tell you. I told him, nah, bro, I don't see it. <laughs> he really didn't turn around. 
No, it's we argued all the time. And I was like, nah, you want to get paid to play. That's another level. I don't see it yet. So, JaVale, how did you play one on one against your mom? Uh, yeah, we used to play back in the day. Um, how old were you before you could beat her? Uh, probably like 14, 15. But it was like certain rules to that high glass game that we played. Hold up, hold up. He was in high. He was in high school before he could beat you. I mean, 14, 15. That's high school. Yeah. Yeah. So what? What were the rules? Uh, you gotta ask her. She she's she's good <laughs> at explaining the rules. I think it was like okay, so shoot jump shots or something. So Shannon. Yes, ma'am. So Shannon, he's one of those people. If you if he beats you, you can he'll never let you live it down. Chess. <laughs> We played checkers. We played Monopoly. We was like a family to always play games, okay. right? And that fish, everything is competitive. And if he beats you, he'll never let you live it down. Like when he turned 18, he was like, you know I'm a grown man, right? Yo, yo, you know you're talking to a grown man. You know you're talking to a grown man. So it was like anything with him, he just gonna ride it. So I was like, if he beats me, you know, I gotta make sure I try to win. So the rules was that the first person of three, he has to stay outside the three-point line, and I don't have to take it back. So literally, I could just rebound and put the ball back up. And I said, he'll miss, and I'll score. Right. But this is when I kind of light came on, and I said, okay, he might have a shot. So he was behind the three-point line. He shot the ball. He missed. I got the rebound. He took one stride and pinned the ball on the top of the square. <laughs> and then he said, you didn't say I couldn't go 10. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's a wrap now. He beat me. <laughs> When you hear people say you're the first American duo, American, to win a gold medal, you're the first to have, you know, mother-son to play professional basketball, what does that accomplishment mean to you, Pamela? What does it mean to you, JaVale? You first, Pamela. Well, Shannon, you know, being an African-American female, mm -hmm. uh, just in every, I was, you know, first, the first black people to be integrated in the white school, bust and all of that stuff. My, my high school was like, you know, half and half, you know, which were predominantly what we call PWI, predominantly white institutions. Uh -huh. So I've always been the first, okay. first person to graduate from college and my family. You know, my mother set a standard and she always said, you know, you're going to be tall, do what you do. When you walk in the room, so everybody going to look at you anyway. You're so already you walk standing in, out. Let them know that you're there. So my grand, my mother was like, she had a lot of swag. She was also 6'2". And so I passed that on to my kids. I never told them. I said, look, you might be seven foot. You know, you will always be different. But everybody want to be you. You the top of the food chain. Walk right. with your shoulders back and your head up. Jarell, um, can you say the question again? What does it mean when you hear where you're the first American duo, mother-son, to win gold medal? You're um, the first. She played professional basketball. You played. Your sister played. What does that mean to you? Um, I feel like it means a lot, especially for the McGee legacy, right. I feel like. Uh, when you're a kid, you don't really think about what, what does my name mean and what is it going to mean when I get older okay. and what is going to be the legacy. But from what my mother started, um, it was just trickling down to all of us. My sister made it to the WNBA. I made it to the NBA. She was, uh, in the, she was drafted the, in, in the first WNBA. Number first two overall season, at 34. At 34. So just thinking about that and then also seeing my mother at 34 be drafted second overall in right. the league is just like we can really do this for a long time mm -hmm. and, and stay consistent and efficient at, at the same time. So it's just really it – it was really inspirational just her from the jump and then me just trying to uh, drag onto those coattails and just grow onto it and add more to the legacy. Right.
Pamela, as I mentioned, you were the first in 1984. I think that was the first uh, you guys won the gold medal that year. So you really start, it really started with you guys. What do you remember about 1984? What do you remember about, obviously, it was here. You went to USC. And so what do you remember about that? I was telling JaVale, I said, this is kind of surreal because when I played in the 84 Olympics, it was just a powerful year. We won the championship, the championship, the WN, the NC2A was in Pauley Pavilion. Yep. And then I graduated that, that May. And then we played the Olympic gold in um, the forum, the Los Angeles forum. Right. And my mom had to come out. So I was just, I've just been really excited about the experience. I've always been the first and I always felt when I saw Lucia Harris, she was 6'3 and she was an African-American who played on the earlier team. Mm -hmm. And I said, when I was 12 years old, I want to play in the Olympics because I saw somebody that looked like me. Right. JaVale, you go to the Olympics. Was there any doubt you lose two exhibitions? And I know people say it's just exhibition, but we started basketball, and you never want to lose. And sure. then you get over to the Olympics, and you lose in the first game to France. But was there any doubt in your mind that you guys were going to bring the gold medal home? Uh, no, not, not one doubt at all. Um, obviously, guys in, that, uh, in those exhibition games, they lost a couple games, and then the world tried to turn on, turn on their own country on their own guys saying that they don't believe that they can do it. They're not as good as this and not right. as good as that. And then uh, we lost that first game, but I don't think the world really knew how the Olympics works. I think they were just like, oh no, they lost that first game, it's over, it's not gonna work out. Right. But obviously you gotta win out after yeah, that. Right. Um, but we, from, from the jump, when we lost that game, we were like, okay, we lost it, whatever, but we know who we are. We know who we have on our team, right. and we know what we can do, and we're, we're, we're the best people, in the, we're the best players in the world. Right. So there was no sweat on anybody's brow from coach to player. Draymond and KD didn't have a problem with calling out some people that says, oh, y'all wasn't going to win. Mm -hmm. Y'all losing all these teams. Y'all lost the Nigerian exhibition. You lose the Australian exhibition, and you go the first game, and you lose to France. You end up beating France in the gold medal round. For sure. And they had no problem. Did you want to get out? Because you you very active on social media also. Did you want to get out there like, hey, did y'all really think we weren't going to win the gold, bro? Um, I, I sort of wanted to, but I sort of felt like I wasn't there in the beginning when they lost those games. Right. So I really didn't have that stance to be like, how y'all didn't believe in us, blah, right. blah, blah, because I had came in halfway through. Right. Um, but, I mean, still, I, it's still amazing to me that guys would, would have thought that got the guys of the caliber of KD and Dame and just everybody who's on that squad, who right. were on that squad, were going to lose to to another country. It just didn't make sense. But... I mean, once they saw that first game, that, that was like, they, they were like, oh, yeah, we were right. They, did, they didn't understand what it really takes and to actually win out. And I, I totally understand that we're the best in the world. Right. So we, we, we knew what was going on. We knew what we had to do, and we handled business. You can speak to this. You won, you won two back-to-back -back national championships in 83 and 84. JaVale, you're the NBA champion. Compare the pressure of those games, winning an NCAA 2A championship, winning an NBA championship as opposed to the pressure of a gold medal playing for your country. Right. Pamela, you first. Well, I mean, for me, the gold medal set a standard for me because that's like historical. You know, your Correct. grandkids' grandkids would say, you know, my grandmother was a, 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 an Olympian. The NC2A is like a, just a goal because if you're a basketball player, you there. Right. But what I enjoyed about the Olympics is meeting other people. I hung out with the boxers. I, I, I went oh, that was a great boxing team. Ooh. 
Yeah, you know, and I still know those guys. Yeah. I don't know if you know Henry. Sweet P. Whitaker, Mildred Taylor, Mark Breland, Tyrell Biggs, Henry Tillman, uh, 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 Holyfield, Virgil Hill. Look, I'm sorry, I'm a historian of the living. <laughs> you better looking at me like. So, oh, and man. so <laughs> they don't know. I used to follow the boxers. And I start boxing, and I taught Javel how to box oh, okay. because of the fact. Yeah, they challenged me. They said, "Oh, you couldn't do our workout." I said, "Man, I'm an athlete." What? <laughs> man, I did three, three, one round of sparring. I was like, "Man, all that tra- all that running and stuff. I'm done. I'm just boxing. I'm doing sparring <laughs> for three minutes. I loved it. You know, the, that jab and all that. Yes. That's the same footwork as defense. Right, Javel. The prep, because obviously, because you're expected to win for sure. And everybody's watching you lose the first round and then like, because you know, like you said, you've got to win out in your group mm-hmm. in order to get to the medal rounds. Yeah. So you've added pressure because you lost the first game that probably you wouldn't have felt had you not lost that first game. Right. Um, I mean, that first game that we lost, obviously, but we had two games that we played that we knew we were going to win. Right. Um, I mean, we knew we were going to win the gold, but we had lost, just lost to the team that we could possibly win in the gold. So we didn't have any doubts, and we didn't, we didn't disrespect, have any disrespect towards them like they're not good. We understood right. what, was, what was on the table. Um, but guys definitely locked in and uh, did what we had to do and stuck together, band together, and, and, and made it happen. But uh, p- pressure-wise... Um, I feel like the NBA championships were a little bit more pressure um, just because you are on the world stage in in, in the Olympics, but that NBA championship, that feeling, and you know, I'm three-time NBA champion, so that that feeling of winning a championship, the goal is to make it to the NBA. Once you're there, the goal is to win a championship, and this is my 14th year, so your whole life, basically, you want to win a championship. In America, I definitely feel it's slightly different. In in America... In American, I feel like it's slightly different um, when it comes to Olympics because I don't think as a kid, unless it's track, blah, but right. with yeah, basketball, yeah, 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 as yeah, a kid, yeah. especially growing up, you're you like the NBA. You're not thinking about the you're Olympics. not thinking about the Olympics because you're like the people who are in the Olympics are Magic, uh, yeah. Jordan. You're right. like, okay, you got to be that top tier right. to, to be even be there. So let's try to win an NBA championship. Right. So for me, I feel like it was definitely more pressure for for the uh, making win the championships in the league. Pamela. Let's just say for the sake of argument, once you graduate college, there's a WNBA. How different do you feel your life would have been had you been, instead of being drafted at 34, number two overall, you're able to go to the WNBA at 23? Oh, <laughs> that's what I love. You know, you know how it is, Shannon. My 23 game, the 34 game was tight, but when I was 23, you know, I could work out. Bounce back, take a, take a couple of days off, come right back. Right. Uh, when I was 31, I was I never got out of shape. Right. And so, um, but I just feel like, you know, I don't really look like what if, because, you know, I'm, I'm the only Olympic gold medalist that birthed an Olympian. So I feel like I live, you already won. not like vicariously through my son. Right. But I, I think that I feel like I passed the torch. And so okay. every championship he wins, I'm talking that's 11 pounds, 11 ounces of that big old head. It's my championship, too. Hold on, time out, time out, time out. We got to slow down. We need a timeout. We need a timeout. Hold on. How, how, how much did he weigh and how long was he? He was, le- this is a true story, too. This is a true story. I'm not making this up. He was 11 pounds and 11 ounces. And he was so large, they didn't know because back then they didn't really do ultrasounds because right. I had a healthy pregnancy. 
But he came out with a ball in his hand. He has six fingers. This is a true story. He has six fingers, and the other one had fluid on it. It was shaped like a ball. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was, and so, I was born with And six I would fingers. say he was born to play, born to pray, and born to play. And then I saw my gynecologist. He's an older man. He said, yeah, I remember that boy. He was born with a ball in his hand. Did- and I so I ju- I'm just thankful that I can I get a, just as much joy when he wins his championships. You know, I don't always tell him because sometimes I got to be mama. You know how it is. You're a professional athlete. Yes. Somebody always like keep you grounded. And I'm I'm the one that both of them, I keep them grounded and let them know that, you know, you're still from Flint, Michigan. And your grandmama was Paul. <laughs> Couldn't spell the last two letters. Did Did you know he was going to be that big? Although, you know, I mean, obviously you had to be like way, way, way out here with almost 12 pound babies. <laughs> Hey, Shannon, I was 270. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Wait, wait a minute. I didn't know that. I was 270. But you, Man. you, you, there's a lot because you are, you said you're 6'2, so there's a lot for you to but, grow in with 12 yeah, pounds. I mean, my plan but, but, but what was your, what was your weight? Was like 190. Yeah, you was 190. So I was 80 pounds of, of, she of gave weight. an extra 80. How long did it take you to get the weight? How long did it take you to get the 80 pounds that you gained from with Jamel? How long did it take you to get it off? Well, you know, I, he went back to, I went right back. He was born in January and I went right back. I was one of the first females to take their, take their baby with them to Europe. Right. Now I look back and in my contracts, it was always, they had to pay for the nanny. Since I was one of the elite players, I mean, I won European all-star and right. you know, won all kind of European cups. They allowed me, and that was in the negotiations, that they would pay for the nanny and that he could travel with me on every game. And he would sit at the bench in his stroller and the nanny would sit beside him. That was how I had to hook up in Europe. Oh, yeah, that, that was definitely a hookup. You know what? I got to get – you won back-to-back state championships in basketball, back-to-back state championships in track. You threw the shot put in high school. Back-to-back NCAA championships, 83-84. A three-time All-American. Won the, Olymp- uh, won the gold medal, as we mentioned, in 84. You won world championships overseas, played in Sp- Spain, Brazil, and Italy. Uh, you were 2003 WNBA on the, um, your assistant coach with the Shock in 03. Drafted number two overall at the age of 34. Do you, do, have you ever just sat back and thought about it like, damn, I accomplished a lot, and I did a lot of this as a mother? Right, and a single mother with no child support. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey. We get into arguments like, yo, don't forget the struggle, bro. You remember how, uh, don't forget the struggle. Who right. put it out? Who put it out there? Single mom. But one thing that I passed on to them, and you know, and I tell African-American mothers especially, some of his teachers and some of his administrators, well, you know, he come from a single family household. And I would say, look, Jesus didn't have a daddy. Look how he turned out. Don't give him that right. excuse. Okay. JaVale, what was it like watching your That's mother? That's the truth. It's, it's very true. Your circumstances should not define you. They should shape you, but not define you. Would you agree? Or not, not define you. My point was, it's the fact that don't allow where I came from to define who I am. It's right. where I'm going. Right. And the work that we put in. Right. What was it like seeing your mom overseas? Like, my mom's... I don't know how much you remember, like, my mom's a professional athlete. My mom's pretty cool. My mom is not, you know, she has a, a job, but it's not a normal job. My mom, you know, my mom hooping. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was amazing, but 
at the time, that's normal for me. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I don't have the experience of, oh, my mom's in the kitchen making cookies. <laughs> right. And I didn't have that experience as a child. I had my mother's grinding. Right. But her grind is basketball. So that's the grind that I saw my whole life. And, and I definitely think it helped me on transitioning from high school ball to college ball to professional ball of understanding, like, what it takes to really be a professional. Um, just seeing her as a single mother with nobody to help her was was amazing, and she made do every single year. Pamela, that team, that USC team that you were on, I don't think people realize how dominant, how good you were. You had Cynthia Cooper, who could make a case she's the greatest WNBA player of all time. You had Cheryl, definitely a legend. Cheryl Miller, who many believe legend. is the greatest w, w, uh, female player of all time, and you and your legend. twin sister. Legend. When... When you guys were playing, did you realize or did you know how special you were and what you were about to accomplish? Did it ever dawn on you? Well, I mean, you know, iron sharpens iron. I was never one of those players who didn't want to play with talent. I mean, I didn't play one championships with the great some of the greatest female players, Lisa Leslie, Don Staley, goes on and on. Right. I was one of them players that believed in myself as a player that nobody can do what I do. Right. And if you think you better than I am, that's all good. Cause I'm going to ride with you. Iron sharpens iron and I'm going to get better just through osmosis. But that mentality came, I didn't grow up in the, in the, you know, playing with dials. I grew up in Flint, Michigan at the park, trying to get a game against men, against right. the fellas. You can't play cause you a girl. And I'm like, all right, I got next. So I always <laughs> just had that kind of, and JaVale would tell you as a mom, he would always say, why, mom, why? Well, you, you can ask him that question. I'm, I'm listening at you talk. I can tell you're very, very competitive. And now I can understand why JaVale wanted to beat you so bad and rub it in. Because you're the type, you beat him, you don't let him forget it. Exactly. So he wants to pay you back because you're like, as, as I'm listening to you talk, you said you were always probably the taller female in your school, in your class, and you said you didn't want to play with dogs. So you knew early on you wanted to be an athlete. I mean, to be honest with you, it was my mom. My mom really told me, she said, one day they're going to give female athletes a scholarship. And I mean, and literally my dad and her would get into arguments because my dad said, you need to be in, in the room cooking and cleaning. That they nobody going to get them girls on scholarship. <laughs> my mother had a vision, and she said, y'all need to get y'all grades together. I'm going to let y'all play this basketball and y'all gonna be, and we were. We were the first that went from AIAW to NC2A. Right. And I was under that first cusp of Title IX to get a full ride scholarship. Correct. So I was the beginning of the whole really women's basketball revolution and the movement. So, as I mentioned earlier, you birthed the son that played that plays in the NBA, has won three championship. You birthed the daughter that plays in the WNBA. Currently, she's pursuing. And is a, in law school. Pursuing a law degree. She's in law school. When you sit back, how do you feel about that? Like, I, I did, you know, as a single, I did all right. No, I, only thing I, that, I, that my son reminds me, um, I'm just thankful. I just say, but God. Right. That's all I can say. When, you know, I just, I just walk in humility. Uh, 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 it, and it wasn't always sunshine. I don't want people to think that we just woke up. It was a struggle. Right. JaVale knows the struggle. And we remind each other of the blessings that he just blessed his mama with a 2021 10 miles on a BMW X5. <laughs> and see, but this is my son. He had to talk me into it. Mama, I'm sending you a car. 
I was like, my car is good. It's paid for. I'm sending you a new car. He had to talk me into it. Yeah. Because I'm just thankful for whatever. I understand JaVale's point of view because when you grow up, I'm lo- I'm closer to your age than I am JaVale's, but when you grow up in rural South Georgia, you don't have indoor plumbing, you don't have running water, you don't you don't have a lot, you're a thousand square foot with cement floors, cinder block, and tin roof. Once you make it, you want everybody that was a part of that struggle, you want them to have. JaVale wants you to have because you were a part of the struggle. You should, you should. And you know, and I, I have to get used to that. You you have to. I, I've always been the giver. You know, when you're a single mama, you you really have to. I have to re, retrain yourself, myself because yes. every dollar putting kids through private school, you know, an AAU travel. Right. And, you know, and he, he grew shoes every every three months. <laughs> and I wanted to make sure that he had the top education, too. He's not only he's an intellectual, too. Yes. And music, too. So I wanted him to be a full person. Because, you know, basketball is not who we are. Basketball is what we do. Correct. And sometimes, you know, when we're in this this fame bubble, you know, that he gets, that it, you can get caught up. But I always tell him, but God, you know, stay right here. Because one day the same people to say, Hosanna, Hosanna, will say, crucify him, crucify him. But right. you can always know that you got somebody who will always have your back. And no matter what, I would tell him, whatever. I got you. Right. Don't nobody else got you. Mama got I you. got you. <laughs> JaVale, you, you, you know better than anybody the sacrifice and the struggle that your mama went through raising a, a young man, a young black man as a single mom, doing everything. She talked about putting you in private school. She talked about uh, AAU travel, doing all the things, denying herself possibly maybe a better car, maybe a nicer dress or right. maybe something. For sure. Just so JaVale and, her, and your, daughter, your sister could have when you think back and you like, man, my mom did all that. There's nothing I can't accomplish because I know if she did that, she poured some of what was in her for in me. For sure, for sure. Every day, every day, I think about just the struggles that we went through when I was younger, having uh, uh, warm the, warm the water up with, uh, with with a, with a hot in the microwave so I could take a shower or wash right. up before school type stuff, driving. For living in Flint, but going to Detroit Country Day, which is a, pr- uh, a high private school, but I, we had to wake up early, like 6:45, drive 45 minutes to school every day, coming from Flint, not being able to, not being able to have my friends come over to my house, because at one point we were staying in a hotel. Um, I think it might be my sophomore year in high school. Mm-hmm. So I'm going over to my friend's house who's staying at Detroit Country, who living, who playing at Detroit Country today. Obviously, they got money. Right. I'm in there like, woof, they got a pantry. They got multi, four or five rooms. They living. I'm, I'm enjoying that. Right. But I want, hey, come, why don't you come over to my house? Can't do it. I'm staying in a, ho- in a, right. a hotel, double bed yeah. with my own car. So, so the struggle that I went through, that. the struggle that we went through, like can, nobody can ever take that from us. And I don't care what she do to me. It don't matter. She she can curse me out, call me this and that. Whatever she do, she good with me for the rest of my life, for the rest of her life. Because cause it's serious, the, 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 the things she's been through just to make sure I was good. Go ahead, Pamela. What were you going to say? And so what, what the deal was, Shannon, is the fact that I could stay in an extended stay and I knew I had one bill. Cause I was stacking my chips so he could go to this private school. Right. They give you a scholarship, but you still gotta pay your part. Right. And that's what I had to do coming out of a divorce that killed me. And so, but you know, I put it all back together and people just think one day we woke up. No, right. I did that, raised both of them. They went to, to private schools, but 
one of the things he used to say to me, he said, Mom, I never see you cry. I was like, dude, it's milk on the floor. What are we going to do? You got to get a mop. <laughs> Crying ain't going to get that milk up, son. We got to get a mop. Wow. Flint, you born in friend, you grew up. You hey, but look what I'm living in now. Yeah, look at you. <laughs> you probably got about 10,000 square feet, swimming pool. What? <laughs> Double you kitchen. You're ground up thanks to somebody said, this for you, shorty. <laughs> So we, you got you see that's see that's the beauty of God. You got to show the full picture. Right, Flint. What yeah. was it like? How different was it for you growing up in Flint as opposed to Javel? And Javel, what was your experience like in Flint? And now, because when you hear Flint, the first thing you think of is the water crisis. Obviously, yeah. there's more to Flint than for just sure. the water crisis. For sure. So, what was it like for you growing up in the '60s and '70s, Pamela, in Flint? Well, people don't understand in the 60s and 70s, Flint had it going on. Right. A lot of African-Americans migrated from the South because they had they was going into the shops. Right. The factories was working. So we had good school systems. There was a, you know, Flint is the uh, home of the UAW and the building of the Mott Foundation, which built the, the Ford Wheels. Right. And so they donated a lot in the city. So we got per capita most professional athletes that came in the NBA came out of Flint, Michigan per capita in population. So we had a, a community school director program. I played every sport there was. The schools was open to nine o'clock at night. And then after the factories closed, that's when Flint became a different different story. Javel? Um, well, I didn't get the, the factory Flint. I got the post factory Flint. Right. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but when I was a kid. Yeah, that's real talk. But when I was a kid, you don't really know what you're in. Like right. you think this is just normal because you didn't experience anything, anything better. but that. You know what I'm saying? So, so it wasn't that bad for me. But looking back, I'm like, wow. After I, I went up, uh, when I got to the league, I went back to one of the houses that I stayed in. I think it was on Keys Street. And I'm looking at it like, how did I even, like this is like a 1,000, 1,200 square feet, two bedroom. Right. Like, how does this even work? Like, but, and we, we, one year we didn't have running water. We had an empty lot next to us. Like it was rough, but at the time that wasn't we had rough. Running that was just water normal. Huh? We had running water. Okay. Well, we had, well, it definitely wasn't, well, we, uh, I, I ain't trying to get into the real details of us having crackhead neighbors who did our lawn, but <laughs> used to do half no, no, of it. That, I, I, I ain't hating on that because we did. For and sure. the reason why is because I had owned the house and I owned it all right. And so, hey, we had to do what we had to do. I, didn't have to, I, I owned the house not, all right. No one's, so, no so, one's doubting that, ma. No one's doubting that. You good, <laughs> you good now, so that's all that matters, right? Yeah. You ain't got to cut no grass. You ain't <laughs> right. got no crackhead neighbors. You, you ain't got none of that. I don't think you got any crackhead neighbors. <laughs> I hope hey, not. No, and that's real, though. We were. I, we were. And I, we was. Cause, and then people don't understand, you know, you can, life hits you and you got to do what you got to do. For sure. And that's why uh, I just say, but God. I'm listening at you talk. I'm listening at JaVale. I'm watching you two. You have a very different relationship than most, most mothers and sons. Is it because you were a single mother and for the longest time it was just you and him? And it was, is that the reason why? I, me personally, I feel like my mother had to, she had to be the father and the mother at the time, but she also had to, like, I feel like when a man raises a, a, a boy, he, he has that, 
that time of, okay, it's time for me to learn about this. It's time right. for him to learn about that. Right. But she, seeing me, she's like, and looking at the world, she's like, no, nah, he needs to grow up. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's going to be hard for a black man to, to survive in this, in, in, in this world. So he needs to grow up. So she used to really not, not she didn't get to be that soft mother where the, the father got to be the disciplinarian. Right. She was, oh, you, you, you weren't going well in practice this morning? All right, we waking up at 6 a.m. tomorrow and running around the school in the snow in Timberland boots. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm crying, running around the school, and she like, suck it up. Like, no, no, nothing at all. After, of course, she like, oh, good job, baby. All right, get your ass to school. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so, so she was a, a slightly, so, no a, a little bit, she was slightly a little bit tougher than I feel like the average mother would be. No but at the, the time, reason. that was necessary for her, right. for me to be successful. It wouldn't have worked if she would have did it any no. other way. Go ahead, she, go ahead, Pablo. What, 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 what my goal was, and, and he would talk, I said, you will not be a trifling black man. So one thing that we can't control is work ethic. Right. And I had went into practice and he was just no effort, just going through the motions. I said, I worked my butt off to get you in this private school. The least you can do, everybody can out shoot you. Everybody can out rebound you, but work ethic, get in there and work. Right. And if you're not, you're gonna do it my way. Cause you're a black man in America. We don't get second chances. We do right. it right the first time. Right. And sometimes I got extreme, but he got the message. You're a very protective mom. And there was this situation with Shaqt and the Fool. And I had really never heard you talk. I knew who you were. I know what, know what your accomplishments were because I'm in sports. I follow sports. I study sports. This was really the first time I've ever heard you talk and step out. And I'm like, okay, when, Norman, when mom step out publicly, oh, there's a problem. Well, I mean, and you got to also understand that he got, you know, I had his uh, his ghetto card revoked. <laughs> you know, we as African-Americans and we, we are as athletes, you know, we come from a fraternity and we got a code. Right. Now, once you break that code and also I told you, Bill, he forgot you in the league. I'm from Flint. So I ain't scared, but he need to know when you went too far. And I always. I've never apologized for protecting mine. Right. Javel didn't grow up in the hood hood. I grew up in the hood hood. Right. And so after that whole experience, you know, Shaq got his, his ghetto card revoked. Who didn't he grow up in the hood? Because he needed to be checked, and he got checked. JaVale, JaVale. Where, where I grew up at? Yeah, JaVale said, where he grew up at? I'm saying, you wasn't, no, you wasn't, you wasn't in no, no drugs and that oh, violence Oh, you're saying I wasn't around. in the streets. Right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. You wasn't in the streets because I, I was right there. That's what I'm saying. You wasn't in the streets. You wasn't no hood. You know, you wasn't no hood. You JaVale, was you, always you addressed it. You on social media. You thought he stepped over the line also. Um, Truthfully, at the time when it had happened, well, when it was happening, I wasn't in a position to to really speak on it to where it would get any any push any clout. If right. I would have spoke on it early on, it would be like, all right, whoever JaVale McGee is. Right. You get what I'm saying? That's Shaq. Blah, blah, blah. Right. But when I got to Golden State and we were winning, I was put in a position to where, okay, I can actually speak right. and have a voice right. and people were actually You're contributing hear. on a championship winning team. Exactly. So it gave me that power to be like, all right, now I can actually speak on right. it. Because if I would have spoke on it before, then be like, all right, cool. And it still would have been going on. Right. So I found the opportunity to, to, to actually speak on it and, and and things were happening where he was putting posts up where it was like I would go coast to coast and miss the layup. Right. And then that's on the show. And I'm like, it's a missed layup. 
Like that's extremely simple. Right. Like let's not right. let's not overdo it. Right. And it was just doing too much. So I I I mean you draw the line somewhere, and I had to you know I, I, it was it was in the public, so I had to put it out in the public right. and put it on Twitter and say what I had to say. But did you did you and Shaq have a conversation? Did you no, address it? We never had a conversation. We I had, think that's we, a- we see each other crossing paths like all right, cool, what up? But it's never no real conversation. But the thing about that whole Shaq and the Fool era of when I was on there is I didn't realize what it was doing to my career until I got started to move on to other teams. Right. And I would talk to other coaches and middle of the year they'd be like, I don't I've 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 always seen that Shaq and the Fool stuff and had a different mental of you. Right. And I never knew like you're a smart kid, you're extremely uh vocal, you're a great basketball player. I never but it was it was it was slowly chipping away at my reputation right. as a young 24-year-old ba- athletic basketball player, young, right. excited, and it was just slowly chipping away with every other coach in the league. Like, no, nah, we don't want him. We see what he's doing on Shaq and the Fool. But I mean, if you add any low light of any, you can add, you can right. make a low light of Jordan right now. And, and if you've never seen a highlight of him, you would think he was the worst player right. in the world. So, I mean, it, it was definitely a, a down spiral ever since I went on that, ever that, since that show aired of my career. Right. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. People's but, perception. But also, Shannon. Go ahead, I mean, Pamela. Shannon, I want to make sure we, we, we understand this, too. That's yes. why the gold medal is so powerful. And kids got to see what, what that whole issue was bullying. Okay. And we as African-Americans, yeah, we can play the dozens and all that. But then there becomes a, 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 the Bible says there's life and death in the power of a tongue. Right. We are taught to uplift each other and speak truth. Right. And so I had to get in it because of the, the black man that I know already. Right. And that, you know, and I'll never let anybody, you know, disrespect and get taken to the hood when we and this is our jobs and we're right. profession. Nor should you. But a people perception of you is their reality. For Even sure. If somebody don't know you, what they perceive you, that's who you are. Exactly. That, and like you said, the coaches had this perception because that's what they saw. Mm-hmm. They didn't know you. Never met Once they get a chance to know you, like, well, hold on. You're not a dunce. You're not a buffoon. You're actually intellectual. You're actually thoughtful. For you sure. can actually play. You can actually contribute to a winning to winning basketball. For sure, it's definitely it's definitely it's definitely perception, man. Perception changes everything, and 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 ever since I was ever since they was like, okay, we're not posting you on that show anymore. All I've been doing is just trying to build my reputation back up, build more and more into my brand, make my brand better and better, and that's all I've been doing ever since. You were in D.C. Pamela, give me a second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask him there because I got Gilbert's side. I want to get your side. You were there with Gilbert and the gun situation with uh, Jarvis. What actually happened? Um, 
So we playing we playing cards on the. On what was the name of the card game? Uh, Guns in between. Bure. Bure. Okay. Okay. We're playing Bure. a game called Bure on 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 the card game. I think it's uh, Earl. My guy Earl right here, Gil right there, Javaris right here, and somebody else right here. I can't remember. I think it was a five-man game, and we playing. I owe Earl some money. Right. And I have like a wad because I keep I'm winning. I have right. like a wad in my hand. Right. So Earl, like, can I get my money? I'm like, I got you, bro. After the plane, bro, or next flight, because that's the rule. You pay next flight. You right. don't pay right now. Right. That's the rule. Next flight. So I'm like, I got you. you know what I'm then Javaris chimes in. It's like, man, you can't have that money in your hand and not pay him. Why are you speaking on another man's money? And then. And then Gil speaks to Javaris and is like, why, 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 are, you why are you worried about his day business? They ain't got nothing to do with y'all. Okay. So they go at it, words exchange, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then Gil's like, all right, do it, whatever. So we get off the plane and we go our separate ways. You think it's over with? I think it's over. I don't think people are really, you know what I'm saying, doing what they're doing. So we get to the, I don't know if it's the next day or or, or day after, when we get to the to the locker room, I get in a little bit later than them two got in. So they like, hey, man, them, they, <laughs> they tripping. People telling me, like, uh, they going crazy in there. He, he brought a gun, and, and, and what you call it, brought some guns, too. And I'm like, what? So I, 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 I saw, I saw I think, one of Gills that was like a gold one. Right. I was like. Desert Eagle. Desert Eagle. In my opinion, I'm like, this is a nice gun. <laughs> but, <laughs> but as a, and I'm thinking, I'm, what, I'm 22, 20, right. 20, I think. I don't uh-huh. even remember how old I was. Right. I didn't realize the magnitude of what was going on right. at the time until the media got a hold of it. And right. I'm like, oh, they might go to jail. Had, for you, had you ever seen two men get into it and guns are actually displayed? No, I never, I never seen that. Um, um, see, I've seen guns before, obviously, right. in like on people in right. confrontation and shit, but I've never seen it in a professional setting in my life of people actually see, bringing Shannon, their guns to each other. And I, I don't but know. But see, Shannon, doing. and that's. Go ahead, Pamela. That's the difference between old school teams and new school teams. You know, old school teams, they had issues, but that stuff never left the locker room. Right. Well, you old school teams, you just knuckle it up. Old school team, you fight it out, and hey, somebody and, go and, win, and somebody then, go lose, and you just and keep it moving. Not only that, though, everybody go home, but what I'm saying is anything that went down in the locker room stayed in the locker room. Right. We had, oh, yeah. We had kind of a camaraderie. Not that we didn't have issues. Right. But it never left the locker room. And then two brothers just solved their problem, but it never got to, like, guns and all of that because it was never that violent. Right. Because, you know, they just... Yes, it, it, it should have never been... And if there was an issue, it never sure. left the locker room. Right. Those were the old school teams. Well, it should have never got... I mean, look, it should have never got that serious. I mean, you joking about somebody losing and somebody... But that's how it is. It's not the person that's and, telling the joke. It's the person that's laughing at the joke that everybody want to fight. Right. Well, why you mad? Why you but, not mad at him for right, telling right, the joke? Right, 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 I'm right. just laughing. But and I don't think what people understand about you know Shannon with professional athletes. You know, money just exasperates who you are. Yeah, absolutely. You know, excuse my French, but if you an asshole broke, you're gonna be an asshole rich. Right. You know, you're yep. just gonna be bigger. <laughs> you, you know? You're exactly so if right. If a person Jarvis is in jail right now. Hey man, let's not let's not speak on that man, man. We don't know what's going on in his life, man. Okay, I'm sorry, but I'm yeah. just saying. I was just sorry, my bad. Javelle, how has your mindset changed since you won those championships? What is different about Javelle McGee? You're still seven foot tall. You're still two hundred and thirty, what thirty pounds? You you yeah. still that. So what is? How have you changed? Um, 
Going to Golden State was definitely a, a blessing for me. Uh, it was life-changing, of course, winning championships, but just behind the scenes was, was life-changing for me, too, of just seeing a real organization work and how a real organization works and how they take care of them players and how the players really run what, it, what goes on. It's not just, okay, the coach tells you to do something and then you do it. And on my first two teams uh, with the Wizards and with Denver, that's how it was ran. It was more ran of, okay, you listen to the coach, it's not ran by the players. It doesn't matter what the players really want right. at all. Golden State, the players had the loudest voices in, 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 in the gym. If, if Draymond wanted to do this dinner with the whole team, it was going to happen. It wasn't a question, no, nothing like that. If this person wanted to do that, all the way down. So, um, and, and the way that that organization was set up is they, they were definitely a player's team to where they, they made sure when we went to the playoffs, they made sure there was a family playing that went so you can take your family with you. Wow. Uh, we were allowed to have like one, play, one, one friend a year to get on the, on the team playing with us. I've never seen that anywhere else and still haven't. Right. So just the just being able to be at Golden State and see a real winning organization and the way it's ran was amazing. And every place I went to after that, I got to take that piece with me and add it to another team. Like, oh, you should do this. That's what they was doing. And they obviously winning at Golden State. Right. You should add this. It, it definitely brings a camaraderie with the players, this and that. Um, so it's, it's definitely a difference in in – in championship teams and championship organizations than these other organizations that are just playing for the lottery every year. Pam, I know you have to go, so I'm going to wrap you up with this question. What advice would you give parents? Forget, I, I'm not going to say, well, what advice would you give parents about raising a potential professional athlete, son or daughter? No. What advice would you give any parent about raising a child today? Um. I, if I had to raise a child today, you got to train children differently. You can't be just do this data. You got to think them. You got to let them make them think. I mean, right. like you got to say, give me a solution on how to solve problems because our children are inundated with so much negativity and there's so much social media and there's so much you can't control what the internet brings to them. And there's not like the the family setting where you know our kids went to church and. And then you got to sit down. If I had kids nowadays, you got to sit down and have a relationship and make sure you create communication where y'all can talk. I, I tell you the reason why Javel and I are so close because he talked at the age of two and three in paragraphs because he was my only English speaking person when I played in Europe. Right. So I never talked to him like a little baby. He was two and he would talk like, mommy, would you like to go to the store? I need some water. Would you please get me a bottle? I mean, he was just always this intellectual. So even though I had him at like 24 or 25, I think we grew up together because right. even now I find myself like the teacher has become, the student has become the teacher, the teacher has become the, the preacher, whatever that is, the master, whatever, because mm -hmm. he really inspires me. I watch him. I'm so proud of him. The reason why we no longer deal with Shaq and the Fool because the world has got to see what I see. He's right. a, you know, his, his uh, YouTube, he's really showing the people who he is. And he's just really matured through this 14 years experience. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that because I'm a, his mother. I'm just saying that, that you know, he's an asset to the world. And uh, he's just a, a, a good young man. And I just admire him as his mother. And I'm just really proud to say that I am. You know, it used to be, you know, this is JaVale McGee. You know, that's Japan McGee's son. Now people like stop and say, yo, they don't say 
two-time NC2A champion, Hall of Famer. They said, oh, you Jamil mama, right? <laughs> <laughs> I lied. I want to get you two, two questions. Who is the greatest female basketball player of all time? Uh, there was uh, this chick named Alexia out of Brazil. But besides her, it's a tie between Cynthia Cooper and Cheryl Miller. Okay. Because they were like, they re revolutionized again. Right. Okay. This one, I'm going to see what you're going to say on this one. Who's the greatest male basketball player, NBA player of all time, the greatest? And you played on the Olympics in 1984 with one. MJ, the black cat. <laughs> <laughs> you said that quick. Pamela, you said that too quick. Hey, I was just saying what, you know, I was just telling people my analogy of the whole Scotty and all of that and MJ. I always say that was Batman and Robin, but it's only one Batman. True. You know, now if you take Batman out the picture, it was Batman and Robin, but there's only one Batman. Pamela. Period. Thank you for stopping by. Give you a call. We're going to continue this with JaVale, but thank you for stopping by. You are the first female to enter Club Shay Shay. Thank you. Hey, that's what I do. <laughs> my, my mama the soldier Love you, boy, JaVale. <laughs> Love you, Ma. Thanks, Shannon. Thanks for coming. Hey, Shannon, I want to say this, too. I saw you when the, the issues came out with the Shaq and the Fool, and I appreciate you for standing up for a sister that was fighting for his son. Thank I you, ma'am. I really appreciate I it. Thank that. you. On air. Thank you. We need more brothers like you to stand up and say, "Yo, pull up, pull up." I've been there. <laughs> and what, 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 it, what, it, what, the, what he does, and what their careers add to our legacy and our generational wealth in our families. Well, I'm proud you. to be Javale McGee's mom. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Javale, 14 years. You've been a couple of different places. You were the Wizards with Golden State, the Lakers, Cleveland last year. You finished up in Denver sign a deal with the Phoenix Suns. What do you feel you can bring to the Suns? They just, within the NBA Finals uh, this past season, they end up losing in six games to the Bucks. What will you bring, and how does your game help DeAndre Ayton? Um, I mean, I feel like my game definitely helps DeAndre Ayton uh, in a major way for just the veteran leadership in, in, uh, alone. And uh, also, on he, when he gets into foul trouble, things like that, right. And having that veteran big to come in, that seven-foot block shots, defend, rebound, right. and does all the intangibles that a real big man does. Right. Um, because, I mean, shoot, three, the last two, three, four, five years, they've been trying to get us out of there. They've been trying to get the, uh, the, the natural lob-catching, screen-and-roll big out of the league. They've right. been trying, thanks to Draymond, that's my guy. Um, but... Um, but now we're, we're starting to get that rep back. Like, okay, we actually need bids now. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I, I definitely think it's necessary for me to me to pick up the slack. Um, definitely with with the way when he gets in foul trouble during the season, or in, if, even if you think in the finals, he was getting in foul trouble, and then Giannis was having a field day. Right. So I just feel like it's definitely uh, one of my attributes that I'm, I'm well at being that defensive anchor and being able to control the paint. You're gonna play with Chris Paul. Devin Booker, who you played with uh, mm -hmm. a little bit uh, in the Olympics, won the, won the gold medal with. Chris Paul talked a little bit the other day about since going to the finals and experiencing that, he's addicted to it. Mm -hmm. What do you share with Chris Paul? You won three championships in the last, what, five, six years, mm -hmm. so you know what it's like to get to the finals. You know what it likes to take to get over that hump yeah. and win the finals. Yeah, it's consistency. 
man, it's consistency. That's all it really is. It's not easy to do. Um, it's definitely uh, about a team, though. That's what it's major, majorly about is the team. Is everybody on the team locked in? Is everybody mm -hmm. 1 through 15 well, willing to sacrifice? Willing to sacrifice just a little bit just so uh, that person can get off, that person can get off. And the way that Chris Paul plays is, is, is extremely unselfish in my eyes. Right. Um, he, he's, he's nine, ten assists a game, and, and, and every big man that's ever played with, with Chris Paul has, has done well. So I just feel like Chris Paul is definitely the head of the snake, and he's definitely going to lead us to that, to that uh, finals again. You spoke a little bit about it, but you mentioned about playing in Golden State and – the type of atmosphere that it that it bred. The players have the strongest voice. Mm -hmm. The things that they allowed you to do that no other organization had allowed you to do that you felt was very conducive to winning. For sure. Uh, the way Golden State ran things was do whatever you want as long as we win. Right. And you can give that freedom to a certain type of guy. You can't give that to everybody. A lot of guys will take advantage of that and be Correct. out at the club every night. Right. Just doing whatever they want because they don't have. But we had uh, those two years that we won it back to back. We had a Called good group of guys. True professionalism. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? And even if a guy went out, went out till three in the morning, he gonna come out, come like like in the last dance. You know, Dennis Rodman was gonna right. go do his thing, but right. he was gonna come and work, outwork everybody. And I feel like one through fifteen, everybody was locked in on what the goal was. Um, when 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 I had got there, they were they had just lost to Cleveland, but they had went to the finals. So they had went to finals back to back. Right. So we're day one. We're winning a championship. That was the mindset. It wasn't, right. oh, we're gonna we gonna make the playoffs. It was right. we winning the championship. And I mean, just the way that that team, that organization, uh, take takes care of those players, the players' families, the players' friends, mm -hmm. is is definitely necessary on on a winning organization. You, um, I just saw you vacation with Clay. What mm -hmm. are your expectations? He's missed two years. Had the uh, ACL. Tried to come back. Was looking great the, uh, last off season. Tears the Achilles. Two years away. Two serious injuries for, for for a basketball player. What are you expecting from Clay this year? Um, I expect the old Clay to tell the truth. Uh, the only thing I can see maybe will be slacking in that first month of the season is defense. Mm -hmm. Just because you know how aggressive Clay is and how good he is on defense. Right. I don't think you're going to get those reps in the offseason or in practice right. on a defensive end of re being able to really lock guys up. So I think that first month he's going to struggle a little bit on defense, but offensively he didn't hurt his arm. He never rolled his arm. Ain't nothing wrong with his arm, so that boy going to shoot. Uh, the, I just saw Austin Rivers the other day, and he's with the Nuggets. The Nuggets were in the playoffs last year. Uh, they got the reigning MVP and they didn't get a Christmas Day game. Mm -hmm. And he's very upset with that. Do you believe the Nuggets should have got a Christmas Day game? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't, fan-wise, uh, like, just the, the, the level of how much fans love a team, mm -hmm. I don't think so. Because I think, like, every team that's playing in the, on the Christmas Day, people want to see those right. games. You get what I'm saying? No, even if that team didn't even make the right. playoffs, people, you, you, who are you going to kick out? Right. You get what I'm saying? You're going to kick Steph and Clay and right. Draymond out? Or and you know they want to see the Lakers see and the them, Nets. They want to see Lakers and Nets. They want to <laughs> see that clash. Right. So it's about entertainment, and, and, and everybody understands that. So I don't entertainment-wise, I don't think Denver should have been on the Christmas, Christmas uh, game. Um, you were asked playing with Steph, playing with LeBron, and you said uh, something to the effect, I think you said it was 
better play either playing with LeBron or LeBron was a good So so the question was who yeah. did you enjoy playing with right. more? Okay. LeBron or 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 Steph. Steph? My answer was I enjoyed playing with LeBron the first year I was on the Lakers. But they just they cut off the first year. They just said he enjoyed playing with LeBron and then, you know, clickbait. But I enjoyed playing with LeBron the first year on the Lakers because I was the starting center. Right. I had the highest, I had my career high 30 and 20 game. Right. And I had scored, I had a career high in points that year. Right. So enjoyment, yes, I enjoyed be, succeeding. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and having because a he allowed season. Because LeBron allowed you to, because a lot of people are like, man, all JaVale can do is be a backup. He come in, get you five points, three rebounds, and a block, and that's it. Exactly. But he allowed you all those lobs, all those alley hoops, the screen, pick and pop. Exactly. you like, Man, if I'd have had this dude my whole career, you see what I'm saying? I might have been an all-star team exactly. with you. Exactly. So I'm like, which one did I enjoy? I enjoyed that. I didn't I, I didn't enjoy not playing a lot in Golden State, but I enjoyed winning. Right. I enjoyed hanging right. out with those guys. Right. I enjoyed playing. But you have everybody has that selfish bone yes. in their body where like I want right. to succeed too. Right. You get what I'm saying? It's nice to win, but I like to think I'm a part of a big part of this winning. Exactly. I mean you when you you guys won the championship uh, last year, year before last, mm-hmm. you were a big part of that. Exactly. That, that there was some series that you didn't play a bunch, yeah. but but you, people you people, tr- f- people forget we were the number one in the West, and I was the starting center the yes. whole year. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Right. So when the playoffs comes, playoffs are situation matchups. You never know who you're gonna get in the playoffs. Right. And they they could change in any day. So that, that, I definitely enjoyed that first year with the Lakers. How how's LeBron as a teammate? I mean, you know, people, you know, you see him. And, you know, because I think sometimes now people have taken what he does for granted. Yeah. But how is he as a teammate? How great is LeBron? Um, LeBron's pretty great. I can't – there's nothing you can really say about that. Just because when I used to see uh, – I used to hear things like Bill Russell was a, was a player coach one year. Yeah. And I was like, how, do you, how are you a player coach? How is that a thing? But after going to the Lakers, I understand how a player could be a player coach. Right. Because just the, the – not only playing the game – when LeBron plays the games, he's thinking the game too, and he's low key thinking for two other players also. Like, oh, you need to be there, you need to be there, we need to do this. If we're gonna win this series, we need to change this. Right. And he's a major part of that. So I, I, I definitely think like he's more of a player coach than just a player when it comes to just the cerebral part of the game. Do you think people take it for granted with I, how great he is? I definitely think people take it for granted how great he really is. Just the things that he's done in going, what was it, nine? He, he went nine finals in a row, or nine out of mm-hmm. 10. Like eight in a row. Eight in a row. And then if you look man. and if you look at the, some of those teams, you're like, who else did he have right. to really help him? He didn't have like any super team. He had a couple, maybe if you count uh Dwayne Wade and but it, it was a lot of a lot going on for him to still make it to the finals in those years. You're investing. You're a big investor. You invested in the 2017 film All Eyes on Me mm-hmm. about Tupac Shakur. You invested in a vegan snack company, Outstanding Foods with Snoop Dogg, mm-hmm. Beyond Meat with DeAndre Jordan, Kyrie Irving, Chris Paul. And your the uh, Toka or Organa? Tokaya Organica. Tokaya Organica. Mm-hmm. Is that what made you decide to to get so involved in, in investing? Golden State. Golden State being out there. Uh and my main, I feel like my main mentor when it came to that was uh, Andre Iguodala. Okay. Just seeing the way Andre moved when he was out there and, and, and talking to these billionaires and talking to these guys and really getting in there and not just 
being a basketball player, you know what I'm saying? Being a bit real businessman, right. it was inspirational. And I used to talk to him all the time on the plane, and and we recommend books to each other, and like, oh yeah, I gotta read that, you gotta read this, blah blah, woo woo. So after that, I was like, okay, I'm in this situation, and he really, and it, it really made me see from the outside looking in at my fame and my power of having fame to be able to invest in companies not knowing really what, you know what I'm saying? You don't really know. You're not a, I wasn't in behind the scenes of Beyond Meat building the, right. the, 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 you know what I'm saying? So it's definitely a, a, a positive thing of being able to invest in companies. And as a kid, you don't really know that. You right. know what I'm saying? I, I didn't really know that in the league until I got to Golden State that right. investing is as important as it is. Right. You got inflation, inflation is eating up your money every year. As a kid, all you know is stack, stack, stack. We come from the hood. We, right. we, we put our money in a shoebox. Right. We, exactly. we, you know what I'm exactly. saying? Yeah. We think in straight cash, that's right. the only way it is. But the world is so much bigger than that. Right. You're a Grammy-nominated producer. Have you always liked music? What, what led you to the music? Uh, I started producing... So, so I was always a nerd when it came to computers, okay. technology, and everything. And I always say this: like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't survive being a producer if it wasn't for computers. Right. Because now everything's on a computer. So right. when I got, when I got out of college, well, when I was in college, I got my first. Uh, what was it? I took a student loan out, ten thousand dollars. Right. And I bought me a little laptop. Put FL Studio on, on there. Was making beats. Made a little mixtape with my roommate. Right. And we, I was just like, oh, this is fun. But it was more just fun for me and the technology more than anything, just figuring it out on the computer of right. how to do this. So when I got to the league, I bought my first Mac and I got, uh, I got a program called Logic. And after that, it was just like, okay, this is really something I can really do and I really enjoy doing this. I would sit in my room every day, hours, just trying to make beats and trying right. to figure things out. So I've always been a nerd and I feel like the technology aspect of music really helped me out when it came to producing. You wrote and produced a song on the album called Tidal. So, I mean, is that something that you want to go like further, further with? I mean, once you're done with basketball, are you going to devote exclusive your time to rap? You're going to still do, you know, obviously you're going to still do a part of your investing, but how, how deep into the music game are you going to go once you're um, done with basketball? I, I mean, my ultimate goal is to be, is, is to not really produce or is to be more of a, a A&R or more okay. of an executive okay. in the music okay. industry okay. Um, rather than an artist. Um, I just feel like, I mean, the older you get, it's harder to be an artist. I'm right. not I'm not really, and I'm seven foot. Right. I never right, envisioned myself as an artist. I always, that's why I always wanted to be a producer, to well, be Montel behind Jordan the scenes. Well, was 6'8", so you might be able to stay. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't, never saw it. Right. So um, I definitely want to get into the, into the executive uh, role of, when okay. it comes to music eventually. Been a lot of debate. Top three NBA rappers of all time. I need them in order. In order. In order. All right. Uh, top three NBA rappers in all. I'm going to go number one. I'm going to go Dame. Okay. I'm going to go Dame as number one because I feel like he's he's the only one who really had the opportunity to take it as serious as, as he does. Right. Uh, number two, I would probably say, I believe AI was a rapper. Yeah. He had a rap song too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I would say AI number two. And then I will go Lou Will three. I'm going to go Lou Will three. Man, how you leave Shaq out? No, I'm just because you went platinum. He went platinum off fame. I wouldn't say <laughs> like lyrics. <laughs> oh man, give me a Mount Rushmore NBA players. Mount Rushmore. How many people on Mount Rushmore? Four. Four. Um, 
All right, we're going to go Kareem. Kareem, one. Kareem. We're going Jordan. Two. I'm going to put AI on there for the little guys. Okay. Because he was, he was a monster at being six foot. Like He was a monster. Yeah. The heart he had, a monster. And I got to say Shaq, yeah, as number four, just because he was the most dominant big ever, I feel like. JaVale, thanks, bro. I really appreciate you having you and your mom on. I appreciate you giving me some time. Congratulations on Thank the gold you. medal. Congratulations on your 14th, seat, uh, 14th year. Mm-hmm. Going to finish. Uh, going to be in uh, uh, Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Good luck this year. Hope you get a championship. Thank you. Thanks for stopping by, bro. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate that. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look, all my life. Grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.